Uh, good, so good morning. So we're in week four of this series called uh, Are We There Yet? And we've been exploring what do we do when things are disorienting, when things are just not the way they're supposed to be. Maybe you've been in moments like that. Most of us are in a moment like that with COVID and with the realities of things just not being the way we want them to be. But what do you do when you find yourself in those places? And so we've been looking through that for the last few weeks. And this week we're going to continue on in that and try and explore a little bit about what I think is one of the, the primary ways that we can help ourselves to keep moving forward in a disorienting time. The first one I want to ask you a question. Have you ever in your life, this could be at any point in your life, have you ever asked yourself, why am I going through this struggle? Why am I facing this challenge? Now, it could be anything in your life. For some of us, it's COVID right now. Some of us, it might have been an employment situation. Maybe for some of us, it was a relationship. Maybe our family dynamics. You ever ask yourself, well, why am I going through this? Maybe it's your health. Maybe it could be anything. And you just get to this place where you go, well, Why? One of the things that Andy Stanley, who's a pastor in the States, he's written a lot of books, said one of the most common reasons people lose their faith is because they ask this question, why, and then God doesn't act the way they want him to. Oftentimes when we ask the question, why, and we're asking it to God, we want it resolved, we want it fixed, and we want it fixed the way we want it to be fixed. And it's hard on us when sometimes that's not the answer we get. As we looked at Jeremiah last week, and we looked at, um, who did we look at the week before? Obadiah? Who did we look at? I can't remember now. Um, the week before, we saw how God doesn't always answer the way we want him to. But he answers. So what do we do when we're in those moments where we struggle with that? I think one of the things that we do is we have to keep our focus on the right things. Uh, years ago, before I was in pastoral ministry, before I even went to school to be a pastor, I went to school in, in an artistic direction. I actually took photography for a while. And I really loved photography, and I still do love photography. And this is before everybody had a phone with a great camera or even had a digital camera. So everything was on film, and I learned how to develop my own film. And one of the things that you learn when you are taking pictures in that way is that usually you're not as good as you think you are at taking pictures. Because you have this tiny little window that you're looking through in a camera. It's not a big screen like the joy we have now. And you're trying to figure out what is that one thing I want to focus on and make sure it's crystal clear so I can see it so well when I develop this film. One of the things that my professor at the time told me, said, she said, you would be lucky if you get one good photo for every 24 you shoot. One good for every 24. Because sometimes when we think we're focusing on something, we aren't really, and it's not until later we realize the problem. It's the same way now. Sometimes even as we're on cameras right now, they might get this object that gets focused on, even when you're in autofocus, and it just blurs everything else. And it happens in our lives all the time. We get focused on things that we think are the things we should focus on, and everything else can get blurry, and everything else can become a challenge. But we need to focus on what's most important. In the book of Hebrews, uh, in our New Testament, 
The author of Hebrews, who is unknown at this time, we're not sure exactly who wrote it. It's a lot of different ideas on that. But it's in Scripture, and it's a letter, or even actually it's more of a sermon, that was written to a group of believing Jewish individuals in the first century. And this sermon or letter that was expressed to them was challenging them to focus on the right thing. That in their lives, they were going through great persecution. It was written likely at a time when the Roman Empire was uh, waging persecution against Jewish believers as well as Jewish individuals in general. And this letter comes to them to encourage them and challenge them to focus on what's most important in the midst of that disorientation of persecution. And so the author of Hebrews in chapter 12 writes this, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Just before this, the author of Hebrews, some of us are familiar with it, goes through a list of individuals throughout the Old Testament who were individuals who are of great faith and that expresses that we are part of that same family of faith and that we saw how God acted in their lives and we can believe, just as we sang, God will do it again and act in our lives. And so as the author is writing, they're saying, well, look, look at your history Look and remember who has been part of your story. And look how God has acted. And it says, then you run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I'm not a runner. Maybe you can tell that already. I don't even run if I'm being chased. I just feel like that's just a waste of energy. They're going to catch me anyway. But some of you love running. And some of you run marathons. Some of you may even go and do like a triathlon. I have a friend in California who recently did a triathlon. But the word run and race aren't necessarily what we think of as an athletic exercise in the same way that we do today. In fact, the word that gets used for race is agona. And agona was a, use that got, a word that got used in a different context as well. It was a word that got used for a very specific pentathlon event. So we think triathlon, so you got your, your bike, your swimming, your running. Pentathlon in the ancient world included running, javelin, disc throwing, uh, a few other things, and then it ended in a fist fight. And that word agona was a word that those people would go, this is what he's talking about as a race. Not just running a marathon, which is probably horrible to begin with, but agona is suffering. In fact, that word agona gets translated as suffering in other places. And it's the root word for where we get the word agony. The author of Hebrews says, because we have such a great history, because we have such a great story around us, and we have people throughout history who have gone through suffering and struggle in our race, In our agony, we run, we move forward in what's marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, 
he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, we run in this agony. The author of Hebrews is making it clear. This is what you do in a disorienting time. You fix your eyes on Jesus. And you keep moving forward. Just as we saw in Jeremiah, and God says to Jeremiah, what do you do when you're in exile? Well, you build houses, you plant gardens, you get married, you have your kids get married, and you work towards the good of others. Here the author of Hebrews says, what do you do when you're facing this persecution, when you're facing these realities that things are not the way they're supposed to be? Well, you keep running within that agony with your eyes focused on Jesus. If your eyes are focused on something else, you're probably not going the right direction. Some of you, maybe you remember when you were learning how to drive, your driving instructor would have said, look where you want to go. And some of you have experienced that when you drive and you're looking somewhere else, it doesn't always turn out so good. If our focus is on something other than Jesus, that is where we will be running to in the midst of this agony. And some of us are running into relationships. Some of us are running into addictions. Some of us are running into fear. Some of us are running into escape. Because our focus isn't on the right thing. The author of Hebrews makes it clear. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And just like when we take a photo, that thing that's in focus helps us see everything else in the picture. But if we're focused on the wrong thing, the picture won't turn out right. When we're focused on Jesus in the midst of this disorientation, in the midst of this race, this agony, we can move forward in such a way where everything seems clearer. The author continues, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When we focus on Jesus, when we keep Jesus as the point of recognition, this point of, of direction for us, we can keep moving forward even when everything else around us is trying to distract us from moving forward. If we put our focus on something else, we get caught in that something else. But when we put our focus on Jesus, the one that we sang about is uh, Andre and Karen led us, the one who breaks down walls, the one who walks on water, the one who speaks to the sea, who calms the storms. When we put our focus on that one, everything else falls in its place. It's interesting that the author of Hebrews, when they use this word agona, they don't say it gets better. (laughs) They just say you move through it. A lot of us, when we're in these moments of agony, when we're in these moments of suffering, of frustration, of what we don't want to experience, because nobody wants to suffer. Let's just be honest. Nobody wants that frustration. When we're in those moments, we often will cry out to God and say, God, fix this problem. And for some of us, when that problem isn't fixed the way we want it to, it gets very hard for us to have that relationship with God. But the author of Hebrews doesn't say that when you're in this race, the race is just going to disappear. 
It says, fix your eyes on Jesus and go in the path marked out for you. When we're in these disorienting times, when we're in this agony, when we're in this suffering, if we keep our eyes on what is most important, Jesus, we can move forward in it and through it and eventually come to the end. Just as with Jeremiah, he was promised in 70 years, which was past his generation. In 70 years, God would make things right. There's still a promise that God will make things right for us. We just don't know when. So we can either, in these moments of disorientation and agony, we can focus on them and get wrapped into them, or we can fix our eyes on Jesus and run the race set before us in the midst of that suffering and that agony and keep moving in the right direction. Some of you know uh, Cheryl Hannah, who's a pastor at Fourth Avenue Baptist Church. Uh, she's a friend of mine. And one of the things I remember having a conversation with her, and, and she, she made it so simple. You know, we were talking about faith and life and all these things. And she said, you know, the, all it is about is what direction are your feet pointing? And it's absolutely right. When we're following God, it's all about the direction our feet are pointing in. And just as you know, if you're trying to walk behind you, Walking backwards isn't very easy, but if your feet are pointed in the right direction, you can go anywhere you want to go. So in the feet of our faith, in this race that's set before us, where are we pointed to? If we are focused on Jesus, if we have the right focus, we go in the right direction. But when we don't, well, we don't. And it just gets harder. It's one of the struggles that we all have, is that if we can't bring what we need into focus, we get lost. We feel disoriented. Everything just is a mess. Whether it's in our relationships, in our job, in our journey with Jesus. If we get focused on the wrong things, we go down the wrong paths. Anything other than Jesus is the wrong path. And it's in that focus on Jesus that everything else can make sense. And you can see it so much clearer. A friend of mine said this to me recently. He says, the only way that I can deal with the complexity of the chaos is to have clarity on Christ. The only way I can deal with the complexity of the chaos is to have clarity on Christ. To have clarity on Jesus you can make sense of what's around you, even when it doesn't make sense. And the making sense of it could just be, this doesn't make sense. But when we do not have clarity on Jesus, when we do not have that focus, like I said, we don't always go where we're supposed to go. So how do you? How do you, like the author in Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus so that when you're running in this agony you go down the right path. I want to give you three suggestions on how to do it, and I think it comes out of Hebrews as well. One is you make it a priority. You make it a priority. The author of Hebrews says uh, that we are to throw off anything that hinders us. We remove those things that get in the way. When we make our focusing on Jesus a priority, it might mean we have to shift our life around. It might mean that I need to binge watch a little less Netflix 
and spend a little more time with Jesus, or a whole lot more time. It might mean that there are times when I say, well, this is what I'm going to do because I enjoy doing it. I go, actually, I need to make my relationship with Jesus a priority. Not everything in our life is bad, but everything can be a distraction. How do you make it a priority to fix your eyes on Jesus? Sometimes you have to ruthlessly eliminate things that are a distraction, things that are taking your focus. Not saying go quit your job. Not saying go leave you know, your kids or your family. But I am saying make your focus on Jesus a priority. Because when we do, it helps us to see everything clearer. So make it a priority. And then make it a habit. If you say, well, yeah, this is going to be really important to me, so I'm going to make this a priority, you need to consistently practice this fixing your eyes. And you consistently practice this fixing your eyes through reading Scripture, through prayer, through having disciplines in your life that help you make this clear that this is important. For some of us, our, you know, running is important to you, so you make it a priority in your life. So you get up early in the morning to run and you stretch, and you create this habit in your life to do that kind of running. Even if you don't run a marathon, we are all running a race. And in this race, it's sometimes agony. So you need to make it a priority and a habit to do what you can to be running this race of life. Or else the focus can go somewhere it's not meant to. So make it a habit. Do it regularly. They say it takes 21 times to make something a habit. I don't know how true that is because there's many things I've done like 22 times and then I stopped after that. But you can reprogram yourself, reprogram your brain to focus on what's most important. So make it a habit. So for myself, some of you are participating. We do a Bible reading. We've gone through the Bible in a year right now using the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, in January, we'll start again. Probably we'll do just the New Testament in a year. Many of you are participating in that. And every day, one of the first things I do is I read that section of Scripture. It becomes a habit for me. And when I forget, and it happens, we all forget sometimes, even the most disciplined of us make mistakes, I recognize that I missed it. And I realize that there's something off. And I need to do it. So I make it a habit. Carve out a space in your day that is focused on it. To start your day is always best, but it's also great to end your day in that. And then continuously keeping that focus throughout the day. And the third thing I want to encourage you to do, so you make it a priority, you make it a habit, and you make it meaningful. And what I mean by this is that a lot of us, um, we do things because we feel like we have to do them. You know, we, maybe some of you have even felt at times, well, I go to church because it's an obligation, I got to go to church. Or, you know, I pray and my prayer is like, hey God, thanks for this food, and that's it. Sometimes we don't actually have a meaningful habit and a meaningful priority. Make it meaningful. Make it something that has depth to it. Not just, I have to do this, so I'm going to do it. That can be a great place to start, but don't let it stay there. Because then it becomes a chore, then it becomes a burden. And in fact, it's supposed to be a blessing to have this relationship with Jesus. So make it meaningful. Maybe that means as you make it a priority, you create a space for yourself to do this. 
Not that you just, you know, lay in your bed, and that, you can do this too. I do it all the time, actually. Uh, you just lie in your bed while you're still half asleep and go, okay, I've got to read this. But you make it meaningful. You go, okay, I've got to get up. I am going to maybe make myself a tea or a coffee, and I'm going to sit in this chair, and I'm going to look outside and enjoy God's creation as I read my scriptures and pray. Make it meaningful. Don't just do it because you have to do it. Do it with desire and depth. It's a struggle to do that because for a lot of us, it, it might just feel like a burden, but it's not meant to. It's a blessing. And so if we desire to fix our eyes on Jesus to run this race that is agony at times in life, we need to make it a priority in our lives. We need to create habits in our lives to keep our eyes fixed on that most important focal point. And we need to have it to be meaningful, put energy into it, put desire into it. Because when we do put that focus on Christ, the clarity of everything else comes out. In the same way as that, you know, if you're watching online and maybe there's a thing in the background that takes the focus away and everything gets a little blurry, we do that in our lives with Jesus. Something will get in the way. Maybe it's money, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's work, maybe it's all kinds of things. Maybe it's even some pet focuses in our spiritual life that really aren't about Jesus at all. And they distract us and they take us away from what's most important and they make the race of life so much harder. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, you prepare yourself for the race set before you, one that people throughout centuries have done, who have been just as disoriented, suffered just as much as we do. But when they fixed their eyes on Jesus, they were victorious in their race when it came to its end. And my prayer is that we too can be victorious and experience the victory that God gives, not just at the end of the race, but all the way throughout it. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are um, our God. Uh, you are the God who is uh, the author and perfecter of our faith, that uh, through you, Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sins, we have hope eternal, we have life eternal. And that through you, as we fix our eyes on you by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can run this race of life that feels like agony at times. And that as we run it, as we are focused on you, we can see the hope that is to come. As the author of Hebrews tells us that you, Jesus, you fixed your eyes on the right things, which was us. And that you endured the suffering of the cross for us. And that because you did, we can focus on you. I pray for us, whether we're online or in person, uh, that we see what it means for us to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. And we make it a priority and we develop good habits to do it. And we make it a meaningful time where we daily are not just for a moment saying, I'm following you, but consistently throughout the day. Help us to bring clarity in the chaos of our lives by focusing on you. And in the moments where we need you most, God, remind us how close you are and that you want to be with us. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.